Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. She tried to marry us just now. Uh, <laughs> I now pronounce you husband and wife. You guys, things have been moving very quickly. It's normally how it goes down at the shop. You, you, uh, you met over a burrito. Melinda was Apparently. like, oh my God, it looked delicious. And here we are. Yeah, I'm liking this already. Uh, <laughs> all right, I didn't all right like, take two. All right, I didn't like that intro anyway. It's fine. <laughs> You've made it all the way to episode six of Keep Wake Up Loud, the podcast. I'm really excited about this episode because, number one, the title of the episode is The Gig Economy. And it's the gig economy, the, stupid. What does that even Perfect. mean? Perfect. I'm waiting to say that. That's right. All, yeah. all episode. The whole episode. Like, the whole waiting? episode. I've been holding that. An in. hour and a half. Yep. <laughs> Sitting on that gold there. Yep. Just, yeah. And, you know, Bam, I love every time he, I think that every time Jacob jumps in on one of these pre-roll, like, Mm-hmm. things Go he's got to do it in the newsboy like accent mm-hmm. yep Mm-hmm. Say something, Jacob, right now. Breaking news. <laughs> Here we go. We're at the shop, 2001 Franklin Avenue. That's the way, boy. Anyways, so this episode is actually sponsored by Loaded Sound, and I'm really excited to actually partner up with them on a show for March 15th. Uh, I don't know if at the time this episode is launching, if we've actually revealed what is going on on March 15th, but they're going to be a big show. It's going to be a pretty big deal for Waco and for keep Waco loud. Uh, hint, hint it's involved with Eastside market. Mm, maybe a brewery, maybe at a brewery. Um, I'm pretty excited, but they are the largest female run sound company in Texas. Ivy Williams and her husband, Taylor Williams, and they're really fantastic. They do a great job. They do uh, in-house sound, sound for conferences, sound for shows. If you have sound needs, you should definitely reach out to them, um, along with uh, Ryan. they in, in fact, all three of them did a photo shoot recently, and I have to say... Those photos are really sexy. Uh, yeah, they're just sexy people. I think they are really somebody, sexy people. I don't even know where that whistle. What came was that from. whistle? Where did that whistle come from? I, didn't, I, I there, don't know. There's is not there a draft button. in here. There's not a button in here. I don't know. Is there, is there a, a whistle draft? I don't even know. If, can I whistle? 
Bad. Perfect. Yeah, that bad. was really bad. I'm gonna can that and sell it. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, let me try to get hold on one more that time. I really like Mike. <laughs> that was really bad. I do not have a it's job a in whistling. <laughs> Who has a job in whistling? Where is that a job? Wait, I know. Is this Fiverr? What are we whistling? <laughs> Uh, the, uh, wait, uh, Glenn, Glenn Haggis's band, uh, has, they do have a whistler, have a whistler <laughs> on their CD, they have a whistler. uh, Dead Horse Creek, uh, has a professional whistler. On yeah. Because album. they're, they're a Western band and they do a whole bit about being a like wassler? outlaws. No, that's not right. No, it's not a wassler. Is it a Western whistler? A wassler? <laughs> Was- <laughs> it's whistler. Whistler. All right. Back on topic. This episode is sponsored by Loaded Sound. And I, if you have any sound needs, reach out to them. They're absolutely fantastic. And uh, they brought this episode to you. So enjoy. Hi, guys. We are back. Uh, it is Keep Wake Aloud, the podcast, episode six. And thank you so much for joining us today. Today, we are sitting here with Melinda Adams and Chris Hunter. What up? Hey. And uh, I am so excited to have y'all. Uh, Jacob is also here. So three. Oh, out yeah, of- oh, yeah. Don't forget about me. <laughs> so three out of four people here at this table are current gigging musicians. Uh, more specifically, everyone at this table except for myself. Um, so some with more professional experience than others. And so we're going to actually get into Melinda's history in just a minute. Um, But one thing all three of you have in common is that you all have a day job, but all play a large role in the local Waco gig economy. And so whether that is being booked as a band or a solo act, booking bands and so on, that is what brings us all here today for episode six, the gig economy. Um, so thank you, Melinda, for joining us. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and your music experience? Yeah. So thank you for having me. I um I started on the classical side of music, and I was a flute player first. And the guys all love to make jokes about that. <laughs> but uh, exactly. <laughs> so is that like an American Pie reference? <laughs> it always is. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say anything. <laughs> but this one time, no. <laughs> So I started on the flute, um, went to school for music on flute, and I got a bachelor's in music from Baylor. And um, then after that, I realized that that kind of wasn't the direction I wanted to go. I didn't want to be a band director. And I started, you know, doing the church thing for a little bit. And then I started uh, playing bass in a Texas country band and did that for a couple of years and then switched over to singing about five years ago. So about five years ago, I started on the commercial side singing wise. And you're a pretty great singer. <laughs> the more you drink, the better it sounds. <laughs> I think you can say that for everybody at this table. Yeah, absolutely. That is a fact for me as well. But not as good as you, obviously. That's awesome. So um, would you say you're a solo artist right now, even though you do typically play with a guitarist? I am, yeah. What would you say is your genre of music and who are some of like your musical influences? So I do a mix of like country and more on the Southern rock side. Um, I would definitely say like Melissa Etheridge, Linda Ronstadt, like Winona Judd. Those are kind of my wheelhouse. Awesome. Because this episode is the gig economy, we are going to be talking about um, booking shows, playing shows, working with venues and such. And so tell us, you know, let's let's go ahead and like kind of break the ice here. Tell us what what was your first gig? Um. <laughs> um, well, 
the first one, we'll say on base first is my first commercial gig. And it was at like this little Mexican restaurant. And uh, they had they had some pipes break in the back. So it was like this really sewer <laughs> smell. Yes. <laughs> the whole time during the gig. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm just, I'm happy to be here. But <laughs> <laughs> what is that Smells smell? like success. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a test. <laughs> Chris, you have an interesting first gig story, right? Yeah, yeah. I was uh I I was 17 and um my band Cork 74 got booked to play a junior high lock-in at a church. <laughs> a girls lock-in. <laughs> so it was like 75, 80, 7th and 8th grade girls and we had been a band for 3 weeks. Oh wow. So we were awful. So the but person they that, they that loved show it. no longer has a job. Right? <laughs> no, like we got booked there plenty of times oh, later really? on. Oh yeah, yeah, is yeah. We did so we did a lot of shows at that church. Was this still like was this like heavy metal like you play now? Uh, it was it was pop punk like nineties pop punk. Oh okay, oh. that makes sense for eighth, eighth grade girls. All <laughs> right, uh, no, no, like, in, I didn't, in I didn't mean that. Like, I didn't mean that sarcastically. <laughs> that like that made sense yeah. for like. Did you get anybody's girls. numbers? No, I was <laughs> what? Come on. <laughs> oh, I guess eighth um, grade is a little young for a seventeen-year-old. Yeah, uh, d- yeah. <laughs> I, I take that back. I hope you did not get anybody's number. Yeah, well, I did not. Okay. Good for you, Chris. Uh, well, my first gig, I was nineteen years old. I I started off playing solo. Um, and my first gig, I didn't own my own electric guitar. I had to borrow a piece of crap Dan Electro. They're, they're like notoriously the worst guitars. Yes. I think Joey, Joey Ramone had a Dan Electro. Yeah. And if you took all the strings off of his guitar, it would completely fall apart. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard that story. Yeah. But a roadie changing his strings. But I barely knew how to play an electric guitar. Uh, it was just a strap disaster. Like, I think I broke two strings in the show. Uh, nice. It was great. You know, I got past it. It was fun. So let's, I'm going to ask a little bit of a taboo question here. Did any of y'all get paid for this first gig? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think I had to pay the venue to play. <laughs> oh, God. Like pay to play? Yeah, basically. Oh, God. It's well. different times. <laughs> so what advice would you give to a new musician? If you could do it again, what would you have done differently on your first first gig? Practice more. That, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Pay attention, kids. Yeah. <laughs> practice more. Yeah. 100%. Practice. Uh, learn how to play my instrument more. <laughs> yeah. Practice that, more. Yeah, that, that I would agree Kind of rolls that. into that. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So going on from that, if, if somebody was trying to get a gig and they've never played before, how would you go about in today's society and today's with technology and stuff, how would you go about getting a gig? Yeah. Melinda, yeah, you feel that in. one? So I would say for sure, do your homework. Like mm-hmm. if you, you need to know what kind of venue it is. You need to know who they book. You need to know when they book. You need to know, you know, do you need to bring your own style, this and that? Because when you hit up a venue to play, you need to know, Hey, if they've already got their calendar out there and they're booked for the next three months, don't hit them up asking what they've got open next month. You know, don't hit them up and say, hey, can I come play country music at your rap venue? You right. know, like you need to yeah. do your homework so that you sound professional. And then when you send them an email or you call them, sound professional, you know, make sure you have complete sentences. And like these sound like really minor things, but these things happen. Yeah. When I used to try to book for in Brooklyn, I would help Jacob's band book and they had never had a gig in Brooklyn before. A lot of times I would tell them, hey, 
they've got about 15 to 20 friends who will show up for this show. You know, you kind of tell like what kind of draw you'll have, what your vibes, send links to your music. Don't just describe your music. Yeah, that's the that's the biggest thing that I think musicians don't understand is when you're booking, you're not a musician anymore. You're a salesperson and you're trying to sell your band to that venue. You know, what ROI are you going to bring that venue? What are you bringing them that's going to, you know, return on their investment? They pay you and then you're going to bring them business, basically. Yeah. As someone that lives in both worlds of being the musician and a booking agent and seeing both sides of of doing that have as much information about yourself as you can because the venue i mean chances are if it's your first gig you're gonna get like an opening shot like uh you know an off night or something like that but if if you can prove to that venue that you can bring people out on a wednesday then you're a shoe in for a friday you know and so networking is probably the biggest thing in this business period especially considering like you're you're you've booked tours before mm-hmm. and you're Chris. currently booking and a you're, tour you're currently I working am. on booking a tour your 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 head is definitely in that oh yeah space right now yeah 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 it's a lot of uh staying organized can get really difficult because when you're looking at all these different dates and you're talking to all these different venues through different mediums Some venues talking to through Facebook Messenger, some I'm talking to through email, some I'm talking to through text, some I have proxies that I'm talking to. It just it depends. And everybody has a different deal. You know, when uh, uh, like the uh, the show I'm booking in New Orleans is completely different as far as how they book and how they uh, what they expect from from you as the agent, as opposed to the, uh, the place in Dallas. Like Melinda said, it's, you're a salesperson at a certain point and you need, uh, you have to take into consideration that you're not just selling yourself. You're, you're selling what you are bringing to the venue. Mm -hmm. And so you need to, at, at some point, maybe not even just focus on yourself. Not I am this, I'm that I'm this great of a musician. Maybe say like, I know that you have this going on. I can bring this to you and this will benefit you for this amount of reasons and kind of make it a balancing act between kind of like selling yourself. Doing your homework. Right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I would definitely say on that, you know, when I say do your homework, like what Katie's talking about, you know, if you look at a venue and they book, you know, I'm a female artist. So if they book primarily male artists, I'm not going to try and book that venue. And if a venue tells me, hey, I don't think you're going to be a good fit take that and leave. Like it is what it is. They know their mm-hmm. audience way yeah. better than oh, you do. Sure. They know their market. Yep. You yeah. know, it's not always going to be a that, win. That's a good segue. What advice can you give to like a new venue that's looking to book local music? You have to put yourself out there. There is a lot of risk involved for a new venue booking shows, but you have to jump off that cliff Sure. because if you play it careful you're going to end up with a mediocre crowd and a mediocre venue. And it's, it's going to stay at the same level. But if you will take the risk, once a venue is established, they understand their crowd. They understand what they can bring in. They know what their marketing strategies, you know, can do. But when you're brand new, you don't know what, what all those factors are. So you're going to have to spend the money to figure it out and take that risk. Yeah. I think uh brother is a good example mm-hmm. of that. I know we're, we're constantly 
throwing back to Brotherwell. Sponsored but, by uh, Brotherwell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but they did that. They they took yeah. that leap uh, early on in Keep Working Loud. But they also did that before us. They they took that leap with various acts performing there. Um, they For just sure. kind of saw what would stick, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're not they're not per se a music venue either. We did an article recently asking artists what they wanted to see more of in 2020 here in Waco. And Melinda, you said something that kind of stuck with me and I've given it as advice several times now since you said this and it was have house sound. Yes. (laughs) Like have house sound. What's one thing you see at every venue house sound. hundred percent. I don't even, I I don't even consider a venue if when I'm, when I'm booking a tour, Mm -hmm. if if you they don't have house sound, I'm not even going to contact them. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. that's not the case here in Waco. Yeah, and eventually yeah. we hope that will be yep. a thing. It'll be mm-hmm. a standard because. We don't have that luxury yet. Yeah. I mean, I constantly, and, and this is no offense to anybody who reaches out no, to me no, who wants music because I want music everywhere. Yeah. But, you know, you ha- when I'm booking bands for places here that are looking to have music at their events, I'm like, okay, I've got to find a band who can provide their own sound and not a lot of bands have the capabilities of doing that or i need to budget you know 100 to 200 bucks to have a sound guy come right and you know eventually i hope that's not the case but you know it's it, it, but it's good for the sound guys as well but sure. also oh, yeah. i you i mean as musicians I'm, again i'm not a musician <clears throat> but i'm sure it adds a whole nother level of stress to your performance to have to provide sound yeah i can attest to that personally Having done shows where I've not only ran the sound, but also played. Well, I mean, you know, I'm in, I'm in after the fact and John and I provide sound for the Keep Waco Loud shows. So whenever we play shows, we're also providing our own sound and playing double duty, you know, and it it can definitely get stressful. Oh yeah. It's just weighing on the back of your head. Like, oh, did I do this thing? Were you trying to like play a chord for a song that might be a little difficult, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Most of the time I just stay out of John's way though. Yeah, that's fair. He, he's you also know. very big. He's well, the thing <laughs> is, is, is John understands what, what all he's got going on. And if you do anything that messes up his, his routine, and all that. Like. Oh, you mean like when the cops got called at us at freight? Yeah. <laughs> we had to. Oh, br- oh, yeah. So you this past that, weekend, right? the cops were called on uh, the noise because it was like post ten thirty. Yeah, we we did a show at freight. <laughs> That's how you know uh, you're doing it right. Yeah, I know. A, I was so excited. Right. I was like CD release party for Zet Zero. Yeah, uh, my band played. Yeah, and uh, uh, it and was it was the sound. last band, um, Hawks and the Found were about to go on, and the cops show up, and they're like, and there's no band playing yet, so the cops show up, and they're like. This noise oh, ain't so bad. Yeah, it's not so bad. Like, I don't understand what the big deal is. And then they start playing. And they were like, oh. <laughs> as, as loud as possible. Yeah. Yeah. So they were like, can you turn it down? So like, John like brings it down for a moment and like there's feedback and it's, it's just like an awkward moment. Yeah. And then the cops left and they turned it back a little bit up, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to asking for money. When a venue is, you know, booking you or they've reached out to you saying, hey, we'd love for you to play. How do you balance that? Like, how do you put out your worth? Say, this is what I want without trying to make it where the venue's like, you know what? Nah, it's it's not worth it. We might as well just do with our regular crowd for the night. There's a couple different ways you can approach that. I think one of them as a musician and artist, you need to put a price on your art and stick by it no matter what. Absolutely. 100%. So if there's a venue that uh, that absolutely can't pay that, then 
it's, I mean, cut your losses, you're not going to be able to play there. Um, I think that a lot of the venues are reasonable and will negotiate with you. So a lot of times what I will do is I'll give out two prices, a price for this is if I provide my own sound and this is if I hire somebody out to provide sound. So this is what it's going to cost you if you do this. This is what it's going to cost you if you do this. And a lot of times when I send a venue a price quote, I don't quote, hey, this was going to cost me to come play. I literally write out everything that's going to be, that's hey, this really is smart. an hour setup, and then this is playtime, this and this. We'll DJ through the breaks. This is teardown. I'm going to provide lights as well and this and that so that they see what they're getting for their money. You're teaching so, us something. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. great. Well, if you're going to send somebody, it's essentially a pricing yeah. proposal. So yeah, you're going to send them what sure. they're going to get for that money. So they want to see their return on investment. Like if I'm going to give you, you know, X amount of money, what am I going to get out of that? Here's what you're going to get. I have, you know, X amount of people that live in that area who are going to come out to this show. In addition to that, I'll provide X, Y, Z. And a lot of times a venue is not usually going to come back and say, you know, yada, yada. And if it's out of town, absolutely include travel in that proposal. Say this money is allocated towards travel, you know, whatever gas reimbursement, et cetera. Um, I would definitely say I've never had a venue come back and say, I can't do that. That's not worth it. <laughs> because I if you have. lay it out like that. Oh. Well, <laughs> I have, well, I have, I will say on the flip side, if it's full band, I've had a venue say, I can't do this price. I can only do this price. And I'll say, well, I'm sorry, then we're not going to be able to do full band. We can do it acoustic. And here's what you could get instead. You know, I'll offer an alternative if we have to do it that way, but I'm never going to play for less than what I quote. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, that's great. I've actually heard a few, you know, in a couple meetings that we've had, especially with um, the meetings that we've had with the Music Friendly City Initiative of how to make sure that venues are willing to pay the bands is also asking bands to not accept the playing for free card because yeah, when when you take that and you accept it and and you you play for free you're lowering the bar for other musicians as well not only are you losing a little bit of your own worth for that particular night but also you're saying okay i'm willing to play for free so then maybe a venue is like well i can get it for free so when you end up you end up with spoiled venues and yeah. oh yeah and then you end up with mediocre venues because you, get what you pay for exactly <laughs> exactly you get what you pay for i mean when, when i was when i was a teenager and playing bands and and everything like we play for free a lot or we would play for you know like dirt cheap you know like we were teenagers it, you know we we didn't know what we were doing sure but as as we learned like how especially when you started throwing your own shows Absolutely. You started learning like, oh man, I'm having to put in a whole lot of work Abs here. And this is your equipment. Right. You know, and then you start to kind of develop like this idea of how much am I worth? And what I always tell bands, because like I said, being on both sides of it, you know, being a musician, but also being a booking agent. And I understand each, each end of that is definitely don't overinflate yourself. You know, that's just going to, that's going to tick off a venue and then you're going to burn a bridge. Um, as a band, remember that you honestly are only worth the amount of crowd you bring in. Sure. 
So exactly. You know, if, if you can only bring in 20, 30 people, how many drinks does that sell? How, you know, is there a cover? If you can bring in 200 people, you know, cool. Same. It's the same formula. But don't say you can do 200 if you can only bring 20. Exactly. It's better to uh, under promise over deliver. Yes. In, you know, in my opinion. Um. So as an example of somebody who was very honest with with that before there was this band, the selfless lovers, they were out of Austin. They can pull a crowd in Austin. Great band. They could pull a, pull a crowd in Austin, but they were like, I'm going to be really honest. I I don't, I can't pull a crowd in Waco, Mm -hmm. but if you book me with a band who can, I will show out and you will enjoy me and it'll be fun. And that did not lie. That's another thing that, you know, I, I tell bands when you're venturing outside of your region, you have to remember no one knows you out there, Yeah, you know? And so, you know, but that's the point of venturing outside your region is to get noticed. Now, you know, of course, like Melinda said, you know, your worth, but be prepared to negotiate. Your because worth is different. different it's, <laughs> it is. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, also remember like you do have travel expenses. You have, that's another thing I tell bands a lot is, Merchandise, merchandise, merchandise. If you are going to go on the road, your merchandise is going to pay for your gas. Absolutely. I've had some people say that Austin has become saturated with bands so much that it's hard to get a paying gig in Austin. Is that true? Yes. I also heard on the the other ticket that most gigs that you play there is a guaranteed pay. So I think it depends on the venue, honestly, if it is a uh, venue versus if it's a bar. Yeah. It, it, um, I've been working back and forth booking this tour. I I've been in conversations with three different venues and of course each venue has their own way of doing things. Some of them will offer a minimum guarantee with, you know, like, okay, anything above this guarantee that you make from the door or, uh, X amount from the bar. Some of them will say, okay, uh, we have an X amount production cost that's paying their door guy. So you get a hundred percent of the door minus that production cost, you know? And so, yeah, Austin is like, you can get paid there, but it is getting a lot more difficult because it's very saturated. So in that, like, let's just say you've gotten your first gig, you're going to get paid. Let's talk about how you get gigs again. And I would say stay professional, be on time. What other advice would you give a, a, a newly gigging musician? I would say if you're trying to get booked at the same venue, then make sure you go and shake hands with the person that booked you. And at the end of the night, you thank them. Yes. You say, hey, thank you, man. I really appreciate you having me out here. You know, this was really great. You know, how to, and ask them, ask the bar, how did you do? Did you guys do all right tonight? You know, cause mm-hmm. if, they'll tell you honestly. Oh yeah. You know, and, and if you're unsure about the pay you asked for, you can ask, I would say ask after your gig, but you can, <laughs> you can ask like, Hey, you know, where am I at? Is this as comparable to what you normally pay bands? You know, and they, they'll tell you. I mean, if mm-hmm. it, I would wait till after your show again. Yeah, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if yeah. you're playing with other bands, stay for the other bands. Oh, Don't just look, load in and um, load out. That's probably one of my, uh, my biggest pet peeves. Yes. Yeah. It's always been it's my biggest pet peeve. Yeah. Uh, just just in general as a musician, especially in a town as small as Waco, you want to make sure that you're, you're showing up for the other musicians on the scene, just regardless, even always. if it's your scene. It's, it's also just a great way to network. Absolutely. Yeah. You never know who you're going to meet. Yep. Um, it's just really, 
very important. There's a whole lot of business that goes on at shows. Yeah, mostly sure. done when the music planning is not other shows. Well, it's all uh, let's be honest. Exactly, it's all done when the music is not playing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, in between the bands, like yeah, yeah. How many times are you or I or any of us with Keep Way Go Loud like? We're talking with other people and other people are asking us questions about dates coming up oh, and, yeah. you know, all kinds of stuff like that. There's 100%. a whole lot of business that goes on at shows and open mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like There's a, a lot of business that happens at it's open like mic. A stock market trading uh, frenzy at the open mic. <laughs> Absolutely. So many I, I actually, I have a meeting. I have a meeting uh, at the next open mic with someone that is trying to put a band together and they want me to help them network and, and everything. So That's it's great. like, yeah, that, that was to me, that was like the go-to. I was like, uh, can you do Monday night at classy glass? <laughs> yeah. I can't tell you how many uh, meetings I've scheduled. Yeah, most of my meetings are held as I'm yeah. like classy glass. running the sound at open mic and I, and I'm gesturing, I'm mimicking running the sound right now, just for people who can't see me. Uh, I'm, it's like he's I'm, knitting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm running the sound and I'm like having a meeting with someone that I agreed to have a meeting with at open mic night. And it's like a three minute meeting. And I'm like, okay, just email me, please. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> All right, guys. So let's have a little bit more fun here. Let's, uh, less business, a little bit more. Like, what's the mullet? Like business in the front, party in the back. So yep. let's, mm-hmm. let's mullet this. Um, let's talk about gig night. Nightmares. Oh. So shows y'all have played, um, whether you had high expectations and just something went wrong, or maybe it was just like the venue overpromised. What's some kind of stories that you've had on the road? Linda, I'll let you go first. <laughs> Ladies first. Ladies please. first. All right. Well, um, I would say definitely typically, I mean, it's Texas. So weather is always an issue when you play uh, outdoor shows. Oh, yeah. I've played like the hottest day of the year when we're like, my, my, my makeup is melting off my face. <laughs> like I look like, you know, just kiss, just like makeup. We've all been there. Oh yeah. And then like, you know, it's been, it's like 110 degrees in the sun and black stage. And like the guitar Oof. player is like, oh my God, I'm going to pass out. Can you please stall for a couple seconds? And I'm like, oh my, please don't pass out. You know, so, and then on the flip side, I've been, you know, playing a show and it's been just a little cloudy. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, like the bottom drops out of the sky and we've got the sound guy like putting trash bags on all the sound and like, (laughs) so that stuff. And then I guess probably one of my worst gig stories was um, a venue not anywhere around here, probably like three or four hours from here. And it was, it was booked by a third party booking agent who I actually, I don't usually use third parties. I usually do all my own stuff, but, um, this person had booked this show and it was originally supposed to be an acoustic show. And they were like, Oh no, you can do it full band. I was like, okay, well, is, is sound provided or, you know, what do we bring? And he's like, yeah, sounds provided, you know, powered QSCs, the whole works, there'll be a sound guy. And I was like, okay, like that's, Easy peasy. that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> so we're about an hour out from the venue. We have driven all the way there. Obviously, we haven't brought any sound because we were told it was all provided. We're about an hour away, and I get a call from another contact at the venue that's like, hey, so what kind of sound stuff are you guys bringing? Oh. I was like, uh, well, we're not because you told <clears throat> Here's us. Here's the that- thing. Yeah, and then they were like, well, the sound guy's not working tonight. He's working at another show in, in this city, so... Um, but there's this other person here who normally runs the system for karaoke nights. So, so they could do it. And I was like, um, I was like, it's a little bit different when, and that's like, it's a little bit different when you're miking the drums and you have bass, et cetera. And they were like, well, you know, for this room, you don't, you don't really have to mic the kick. Right. I was like, um, it's a 15,000 square foot room. So. I would, yeah, we'd probably yeah. have to mic the kick. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it was, it was just, you know, we got there and then 
the whole everything that was promised was not what was there and none of the none of it was literally like two powered 15s in the front with no subs like it was it was awful like nightmare status and of course like the drummer and the bass player were like what the heck Melinda and I'm like I'm sorry guys like I'll pay all for let me show you all the receipts they promised yeah and and they know I'm normally like type a have like all my stuff together you know but they were like looked looked at me and they were like seriously Did like, you get well, paid? Yeah, we got we got paid. I mean, they, <laughs> I guarantee my guys, no matter what, you know, whether, yeah. you know, there's that's, crickets in there or not, they great. get paid. That's but, good. Yeah. That's the way it should be. So, right? So, I think probably my most nightmarish gig was, uh, I used to be in this band called The Pebble That Saved the World. We were like a pop rock band. It was the first band I was ever in, actually. And I also used to work for the YMCA in Dallas. And... Um, <laughs> or or rather Capel in Capel, Texas. I worked for the YMCA there. And the owners of that YMCA approached us and they said, Hey, you play in a band, right? I was like, Yeah. They're like, hey, how about you play this event that we're putting on in the gym? Um, it's gonna be great. There's gonna be a bunch of kids and you guys can just play and it'd be cool. And I was like, All right, that sounds like fun. So I tell the rest of the band and they're like, Wait, we're gonna play in a gym? Um, I don't know. It's probably not going to sound very good. Played in plenty of gyms. It always sounds terrible. Um, so I was like, Gosh. like literally, I didn't know what sound was back then. I was like, no, it's cool. It's a gig. Come on, guys. Uh, so we get there and we set up on the ground. There's a stage. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's like a dividing curtain cutting the gym in half. And then on both sides, it's just a bunch of bouncy houses. <laughs> And we're just kind of like awesome. in the middle and, and then of all the, the bass player. <laughs> I'm just yeah, kidding. He was, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we're just like setting up and we're like, okay, so this, I guess this is the stage area. And uh, so we set up and we start playing and it sounds terrible. Of course. And all the kids start covering their ears. <laughs> And like my most vivid visual is like that dividing curtain was just an adult man peeking his head around the curtain with his hands over his ears, just shaking his head. No locked eyes with me. Just like, Nope. You stop that, you stop that right now, sir. And then moments later, the uh, owner of the YMCA was like, all right, you guys are good. <laughs> you can so, leave yeah, now. Then, your, your, your gig is done. I want to tell the worst gig that I've been of Jacob's. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> yes. It was in Brooklyn, New York at the rock shop. Mm. It was negative 10 degrees outside. It was the literal coldest day we have ever experienced yeah, in Brooklyn. Wind chill. It was bad. It was negative three, but the wind chill is negative 10. My mom was randomly visiting, and at this show, Jacob's band went on last at like midnight. And the bassist, Jacob's best man in the wedding, best friend, Dustin Wilson had been drinking wine since they first arrived at this venue at like 6.30 or 7. So That is a formula for success. I mean, (laughs) so they get up there and they start playing. And and so as some as the person who was booking their shows, I I was very honest that we can bring like 20 to 30 people, which we did. did. Um, but I, you know, I sent them the music and all this kind of stuff. So I'm sitting here thinking, okay, this is perfect. I got them a pretty good venue. 
And the guy is like standing behind there and they're, they're doing well, they're doing well. And then something happened. And I don't know what it was. Was it your guitar messed up or yeah, I think I broke a string or something. So Jacob breaks a so string. Cold. Yeah. So Jacob uh, breaks a string and Jacob's drunk best friend slash bassist proceeds to tell this, the, the lighthouse joke story. And I don't know if you know what the lighthouse joke story is, but it is a very We're long, not tell it here. I'm not because <laughs> a, I love my audience and B I respect Mike, <laughs> the producer who would have to listen through this joke, but it is a very, very long, elaborate, boring story about a lighthouse with a terrible punchline. At and the, the punchline is something like, and four to five, that's why four out of five people choose Kellogg's, Kellogg's over <laughs> post. All I know stupid. is he's telling this long joke while Jacob's fixing his strings. And I literally want to crawl. My mom is there. Like I want a 15 minute joke. I want to crawl into a, all the strings. And like, I actually, I, I changed all the guitar strings. Like, <laughs> like, changed all right, out the right, drum hey man, heads. Joe, all right. I'm good. Like, he's like, no, no, no. I'm still telling the joke. It's cool. Like, shut up. Like, shut, it was, go away. Go away. I, I, I never emailed the, the, the guy back about booking another show. I like, got, I think oh, we got paid man. for that gig, like 60 bucks. Dude. That's pretty cool. 60 bucks for that You bad think Austin's joke. bad about paying. That's like a beer in New York. Oh, God, like, yeah. One, one whole beer. Like, thanks for the taxi fare. It was really bad. It was, it was the worst. So we're going to kind of wrap this up. We have a fun little game. We have a few fun. Is it a drinking game? Uh, it can be. <laughs> you can't drink in it. It's a game. Anything's a drinking game as long as you're drinking. With it that attitude, anything can be a drinking game. That's hey. right. This is a would you rather. Oh, okay. This is like never have I ever. <laughs> but there's only two answers, not five. Melinda like held up five fingers. I'll let Katie read the first couple. All right. So would you rather, would you rather show up to a show with a mostly empty room and play your best show ever or show up to a packed out room and have a mediocre show at best? Done both. Yeah, done both as well. <laughs> I did one at the same time once, believe it or not. <laughs> Showed up. There was a ton of people. They all left by the time we went on. <laughs> I think probably the first one, just because I think so, there's too. a that's a different kind of feeling when you when you get off that stage and you really feel good about what you did. Yeah, yeah. I don't that's always need the validation of the crowd. Yeah. Um, normally for me, it's like uh, personal validation that I did did well. Yeah, and you're gonna give the same show to three people that you would to three hundred. Yeah. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you should. You should give. Look at you, you always good musician. <laughs> you always should. Uh, would you rather? This one's more fun. Smash a guitar or instrument of your choice in front of a large, sold-out crowd, or be able to pick out any type of instrument, brand, former owner of the favorite instrument, and own it. Second. Second. <laughs> yeah, so I think second for me too. Who would, yeah. What would you What would you go for? Well, um, I think personally, I would go for um, a former guitar of uh, George Harrison. Yeah, number two as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't think you can ever have enough gear anyway. Right. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, would Would you rather forget the lyrics to a song you've sang a million times before, or? Mess up the beginning of a song and have to start it over. The first one, because you can always ask for forgiveness and be like, hey, guys, I 
this is my own freaking yeah. song and I forgot. <laughs> and then they true. laugh with you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. But if yeah. you have to start all over, the crowd's like, oh my oh, God. It sucks. It's the worst. Towards the end, I feel like the crowd's more forgiving. But at the beginning, it's like, yeah, if oh, your first okay. song, you have to start over. Get off stage. Unless you're Demi Lovato <laughs> and you're crying at the Grammys and you're like, oh, oh this is cute. Yeah, I do remember you know, that. like, you know, it, it was a little bit more touching. It like, was touching. It was touching. But I'll never be as touching as Demi Lovato. <laughs> Chris, maybe. I'm pretty touching. This guy is the Stop most touching, touching guy. people. I'm pretty touching. He's the most touching guy I've ever met. That's true. I touch Jacob a lot. <laughs> God. <laughs> Cut that out, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's like Mike, shaking his head. Mike just pulled up a sign that says, I keep everything. We, um, uh, I, fun fact, we gave intro. Mike an actual whiteboard today. So, you know, well, that's yours, right? To, yeah, he used to have to write, uh, like things on uh, just the back of the papers we would give him. But now he has a whiteboard. We find in the trash because we recycle everything. <laughs> but now, uh, we have gotten to the point in this production where Mike has a whiteboard. Moving but it's on actually. Up. It's actually just a um, a uh, a picture uh, frame with a white piece where of I put paper. a white piece of paper in it behind a piece of glass. Where hashtag <laughs> whiteboard. What, is that is that <laughs> you is that you saying that you're bored? <laughs> hashtag white guy bored. <laughs> you Got know, it. keep like a beautiful would be really really proud of us. Would you rather slice your finger on a string and bleed all over your guitar and not miss a single note, or your guitar strap falls off at the pivotal moment of a song and you catch it? And don't miss a beat and finish the song. Had both happen. I've not had the first seven. I've had the second. Those are happen. not. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. I've had hold both on. As a non musician, I want to come here and dissect this. Okay, go for so, it. So <laughs> slice your finger on a string and bleed all of your guitar and yeah. not miss a single note. So you're injured. Yep. You're bleeding yeah, you everywhere. Yeah, oh, so it. that's like the high point of it. Or just your guitar strap falls off at a pivotal moment, but you. You don't want to stop playing because your guitar shut. Yeah, no, off. no, no, no. Like the the saying, the show must go on. Uh, yeah, that is real. Again, we're like now. I'm. This still makes me think of the the bassist from the standards, or was it the guitar player from the standards? Yeah, no, that was no. Who fell I off thought that was awesome. It was. And did it was not awesome. Miss a beat. It was awesome, but that was that was like minor. Very minor. <laughs> it was like, oh, he stumbled and fell off the stage. Like one time I accidentally hit a girl in the face with my bass head and broke her nose. Again, stop putting my podcast in evidence for your deposition. <laughs> it was great. And she was like, yeah. Oh yeah, my yeah. God. That's yeah. pretty awesome. All right. It's pretty rock and roll. We're going to finish this off with uh, if you could have a drink with any musician, dead or alive, who would you choose? Bonnie Raitt. Ooh, for me good one johnny cash Ooh, johnny cash. I'll, after this i'll tell you the story of how i accidentally killed johnny cash go ahead jacob what? yeah we're not gonna be, <laughs> we're not gonna be friends if that's true okay true story <laughs> true story well, why well, think about it's it's not my fault cat named it's, johnny cash it's not my fault <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> i got real dark real quick <laughs> Johnny Cash. <laughs> Anyways, it wasn't that cool. All right, so I was in eighth grade. All right, and um, make me feel old too. It was yes, I was in eighth grade when Johnny Cash died. Okay, so I was in eighth grade, and we had to do these egg projects where we had to like hollow out an egg and create a character out of them and write a bio about the egg character. And I did Cleopatra, and so I like wrote a whole biography or like you know essay about Cleopatra, and I created.
created this like whole egg character. She had long flowing hair and all this. Well, my friend Jordan Stone had Johnny Cash as his character. And he goes, yeah, I've done Johnny Cash and I made a ring of fire around him and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, Johnny Cash, isn't he dead? And he died that night. True, oh. Mike is laughing. Mike, Mike, stop laughing. That Johnny Cash died that night, and I remember waking up the next morning. John Ritter also died this night, same oh, night as Johnny Cash. And I woke up the next morning, being mortified because all over the news, Johnny Cash was dead, and I like literally believe that I killed him. Oh my! Oh my goodness! I know, right? No, the same thing happened with um, Bernie Mac. I did the same thing. Well, not the same. Like there was another egg. Somebody made no. Bernie there was no character. <laughs> the very next Bernie Mac egg. Someone had a Bernie Mac egg. Yeah. No. We. Were, I was like at work, and we were talking about Bernie Mac. And I, I don't remember what the conversation was, but like an hour later, he was dead. And I was just like, I'm cursed. I won't talk about any of y'all. Oh, my God. Ever again. It's fine. I'm immortal. Can you speak other things into existence? Because <laughs> all the like, I have a list. I have a list for you. So. Oh, I've got a lot of things. We'll talk later. I'll talk. I'll talk everything so, to in existence. Um, but yes, I did kill Johnny Cash. I'm so sorry, uh, Johnny Cash. <laughs> The, uh, what does it say? Harbinger of doom? <laughs> <laughs> Harbinger of doom. The musician so, that I would uh, want to have a drink with is dead. Um, and it's David Bowie. And he oh, yeah. is one of the few, probably three or four people that died. And I literally bawled my eyes out. When David Bowie Aww, died, like, and your wife didn't kill him, she I did, did not, not kill him. But I do remember we were living in Brooklyn when that happened, and I remember—I don't remember what it was. I think it, did you really ball your eyes out? I really did. I—it's I okay. I cried when Johnny Cash died. After I, I legitimately bawled <laughs> uh, in the bathroom by myself when Aww, I found out Jacob. David Bowie died. I was so sad. That is really sad. Uh, no, until you get that, because like like. You know, with Johnny Cash, he was, he's probably one of my biggest influences. Like, I'm so sorry, Chris. I got, you know, obviously play a different style of music, but the, everything that Johnny Cash was, was, was punk rock. Oh yeah. I mean, Folsom Prison Blues, Absolutely. that entire album you know, was punk and rock. His, punk rock was Yeah, punk exactly. Rock. I mean, he's, he's, to me, he's like the ultimate root of punk rock, you know, and, uh. And so, yeah, when he died like that, that hit me hard because I was like, oh, my gosh, like this is probably the person that has influenced me most I feel like in my music. That together, I feel like you're a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And on that note. <laughs> no, um, I want to plug really quickly the, okay, Dewey, plug? the David Bowie theme bar in Mexico City. Oh, yeah. There. Yeah. That's that was a great bar. Bowie. It's called Bowie, and it is a David Bowie themed restaurant slash bar in Mexico City. And they have a mural made uh, of the a bottle Ziggy, caps. Uh, it, it's made out of bottle caps, but it's the Ziggy Stardust where his head is like bowed and he's got like the lightning bolt. Over I was going to say, if they don't have at least a drink called the Ziggy Stardust, then it's I not think legit. Ev literally everything in this bar was David yeah, it was, Bowie it was all, themed. It was all great. That's all awesome. Themed. It was beautiful. It was yeah, if you haven't been to Mexico City, I highly recommend it. You can get flights from Dallas for like 150 bucks. It's Mexico amazing. City. Well, uh, I want to thank you guys for coming on today. Uh, it was really fun. Uh, we had a lot of wine. 
A lot of wine, we a learned, lot of fun. We learned that Jacob a lot had of people. A little bit of wine. I think I'm going to start a band. A lot of people here committed some crimes, <laughs> mostly murder. Katie. What? Um, <laughs> yeah, we, found out, we found out that Katie's a murderer, even though she's all like, "Stop it, man!" Netflix, reach out to us. Making a murderer too. That's right. It, that is a very. I mean. It, I don't think you understand Listen, how you use like, your voodoo. It's still murder. How true that story is. Keep Wake Aloud, the podcast is produced by Oni Chan Productions. Our theme music is by Fish Hands. If you like what you hear, you should check them out on Bandcamp. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you really like us, give us a five star rating. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or check out our website where you can buy merch or even see some local events coming up. Thanks again for tuning in. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for joining us all the way to the end. And as we do, I want to introduce our song of the podcast. And since we had Chris Hunter of Keep Waco Loud, I want to introduce you to Chris Hunter of ATF or After the Fact. He has a new single that just released. And I'm really excited that we are getting to premiere just a little clip of it at the end of our podcast. Chris, tell us uh, the name of the song and a little bit about it. Uh, it is a song called Narcissistic Rage, and it was written by our uh, singer, Travis Ellis, who um, is moving back to Seattle. So it's pretty special to us that we're getting to premiere it before he moves back to Seattle. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Chris. And this is what is it called again? Narcissistic Rage. Welcome to Lowe's. Uh-uh. What? No. Please place the item in the bag. This has been a Rogue Media Network podcast.